Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganesi, here as always with Nima Tavali. So Serie A is back. The 2023-24 Serie A season finally got underway at the weekend and it was a fantastic weekend. Some brilliant individual performances from from all the big guns, Victor Ossiman, Lautaro Martinez, Federico Chiesa, all trying to outdo one another. And in particular, the ageless Antonio Candrevo scored two wonder goals. We had some some great comeback stories. Andrea Bellotti, he doesn't score for 15 months. What does he do? He scores not once, but twice. Well, actually three times. One of them got disallowed. Um, we had uh, some some great debut performances. Uh, Charles de Ketteler scored his first ever Serie A goal and we had Andrea Cambiasso and, and Marco Arnautovic were fantastic on their debuts and we had Max Allegri playing a bit of Deserbi ball what is what is going on there uh, we also had a massive shock as Lecce stun Lazio, Lazio uh, and Luciano Spalletti confirmed as the new Italy coach uh, Inter close to the signing of Benjamin Pavard it's all still going on in the transfer market we also have Baggio and Prem Face of the Week. We will commemorate the, the legendary Carlo Mazzoni, who sadly died at the age of 86. So lots to talk about today. For all our first-time listeners, this is our free weekly episode, which we do every Monday, reviewing the weekend Serie A action, all the biggest talking points in Italian football. If you want to support the Italian Football Podcast and receive all our content that we do throughout the week, including a weekly Q&A episode every Tuesday where we answer all the questions sent in from our Patreons, plus the weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews, post-match reaction and much, much more. Then go to patreon.com slash TIFP and become a subscriber for just $2.99 a month plus VAT. For all of those of you who listen on Spotify, iTunes and Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate if you give us a five-star rating. Give us a a follow and a like. Uh, We're on YouTube as well. It really helps us to, to grow. So, so let's get into today's show. But first, a word from our sponsor. Making your own podcast is fun, but the production of podcasts can also be challenging if you don't have the right software. With Zencaster, the whole process is quick and straightforward. Here at the Italian Football Podcast, we aim to have the highest of standards, and Zencaster provides crystal clear sound and fantastic HD video quality. Furthermore, it's really easy to use. Even boomers like Carlo can manage. There's nothing to download, just one click, and we start recording each episode. Zencaster ensures that your podcasting experience is easy and enjoyable. You don't even have to leave your browser as it possesses all the tools required to get the episode done, from local recording to automatic post-productions. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use our code ItalianFootball, one word, you'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. We want you to have the same easy experiences that we do for all our podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Right, so let's start off with the champions. In the first game of the new Serie A season, Frosinone 1, Napoli 3. Uh, Napoli had a bit of a scare. They went behind very early on, um, but they roared back to win 3 1, uh, and it was, of course, the main man, Victor Ossiman, who did all the damage, didn't he, Nimmer? He was fantastic again. He is fantastic. <laughs> it's just that simple. He is, he's such a complete striker. Um, 
he, he's a classic number nine. Um, and, and in an age where there aren't very many number nines, classic number nines, it's, uh, I think it just, uh, his, his greatness becomes even more evident because of how, you know, like we always talk about, you know, you can count the world-class number nines in world football on one hand almost, or probably definitely on two hands, but most you, you could argue it for that only on one hand today. And it's been like this for a couple of years. And that's why when you have a player like Ossiman who continues to develop and de- deliver and, and and to lead his side. I mean, it's not just that he's unbelievable in the air. It's not just the, the, the ability to hold up the ball. It's not just the movement patterns. It's not the IQ, the football IQ he has. It's, it, you know, the criticism to him has been the killer instinct, hasn't it? That sometimes he squanders a little bit too much and he needs to improve efficiency. Well, I mean, just look at that first goal. That was just, that is a killer. That's a killer's finish. That, that, that it just, the power... The, the 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 class and 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 vision and, and to know when to strike when to attack the ball the perfect timing and then just buries it in the top in the in the back of the net like top in, in, in behind the goalkeeper roof. just yeah the roof of the net he just looked the goalkeeper looked like a like like a like he like he he didn't look like he looked like he, he was scoring on a child uh, you know he just had no rea- he had not he couldn't do anything the power and then, in uh, the fir- the, that first yeah, goal is insane the timing insane. of it as well the timing for me the, that's the thing if he can you know it, it's that's the thing about these elite strikers the best number nines it's, it's that was a Batistuta like goal that was exactly Remember the goal that Batistuta scored yeah. against uh, Arsenal at Wembley yeah. it was yeah. I mean, it wasn't from as tight an angle but you know like those rifle in it with such power into the roof of the net that it's and so it's so, so powerful the, and such a good attack. connection that the, the goalkeeper doesn't even see it it's past well exactly and, and it's, it's 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 for me it's also in order to do that otherwise you you hit the ball outside the stadium but in order to do that it's the timing reading the ball knowing when it's going to come knowing where it's going to come knowing exactly the fraction of a second when it's played and it, and having your having the positional awareness and awareness to position your body in such a way to attack it and i mean he's he was unbelievable he was truly truly unbelievable but i mean for me i think that acrobatic assist was probably what i enjoyed the most yeah the, i mean for the, for the disallowed, the disallowed yeah. respiratory goal yeah Jesus i mean that was that Christ. was insane i mean yeah what i mean how how would you even do that i mean it's like <laughs> That's that's Ibrahimovic, like only him, Ibrahimovic, like these top class. Do you know what I mean? Like th- th- that just shows the class of a player. That that was crazy. Well, he is elastic, isn't he? Like yes. his legs, like the way that he he bends and moves his body. It's kind of defies physics, doesn't he? He's he's quite rubbery, and I think that's where he got the comparisons earlier in his career. Although he's nothing like him in reality to to like Faustino Aspria. You know, like just the way that he he's very uh, nimble. Uh, and the mm. way that he moves, and 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 I mean that was amazing. That was amazing. I love that elastic. Really... That's such a good word elastic-y, to describe. He, yeah. Elastic, yeah. He's got. Mm. It's like his joints are made of rubber. Like they That's are. Exactly there's this it, spring. Yeah. It's there's, there's there's this spring in his step, which is like, like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like when you pull a rubber band and let it go, it just flies away. It's it's so so. Yeah, it's like he gets rid of the bones disappear from yeah. his legs when he when he yeah. needs to do certain things. Yeah, exactly. You know, no, exactly. It's like a superpower he's got that now uh, my bones are now very you know you can bend them. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and he's got this kind of spring too. Have, have you noticed it? Like there's I don't know where he oh, gets spring. This power. I mean, his leap is his leap's unreal. And we saw it last season, one of the goals yeah. he scored where he where he almost matched Ronaldo's. But, but he, he looked, but he does it from Ronaldo. Yeah, oh, he did. He's one, got the new. He's got the world record. But the thing that d- drives me that just 
mind boggle that's mind boggling for me is just he he does it without taking any like it just it's, it looks like he's standing still and then all of a sudden boom just just flies up yeah. it's, it's crazy and, and, he, and he drove napoli he drove napoli in this oh, game he is. because he they, is napoli. they were Let's struggling they, they were struggling in the first half and they obviously started yeah. really badly they went behind uh, and and then he 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 drove them forward and and obviously with Kadet Scalia who was out he was missing the game with a minor injury um, you know this, this is the difference this this is the difference especially in away games where you know you're n- most of the time you're not I mean they were dominant but you're not always going to be as dominant away from home as you are at home you know to have these different makers and he, and and he is the difference maker and, but this and, that's what we saw last season as well he is the he is Napoli's most important player when Napoli are missing Kvara at least today right now it is like that. Like when they miss Kvara, they manage. When they miss other players, they manage. But when they miss Osiman, they don't. They just don't. He drags them over the finish line um, in, in in games, and he is that important. Um, yeah, and it's, it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be interesting to see what difference. I mean, he would excel with any manager. I think he's oh. that good and he's that complete. But with a new manager, with with Rudy Garcia, because I mean, immediately we we saw the differences straight away from Rudy Garcia versus Luciano Spalletti. With Spalletti much more dominance of the ball, much more of a, not a slow build-up, but, you know, controlled build-up. Whereas with 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 Garcia, we saw straight away, it was much more direct. I mean, you only have to look at the possession stats. I think it was in the low 50s um, that, that Napoli had possession for m- much of this game. And, you know, if this, if this was Spalletti's Napoli, it would have been 65 percent 70%, yeah. 70% possession in this game so we, we noticed that straight away straight away um definitely not as fluid uh, I mean okay it's the first game maybe that's to be expected a little bit definitely not as fluid as as it as it is with with Spalletti uh, I think a part of that was also the pitch pitch was terrible a lot of these pitches were, were awful <laughs> this weekend I have to say I mean I guess people are away on yeah. holiday I mean <laughs> I'm surprised if yeah. they if the guy if the groundsman yeah, the groundsman did not work then yeah. the it's Italy what are you on about it's Ferragosto lasciamo perdere leave him alone yeah yeah but I mean apart from that I mean I thought Politano was excellent Di Lorenzo was was great. He got two assists. Um, Man of the, the match, negatives. If it wasn't the negatives for... was was Yen Yen Kahusta had a horrible debut. Horrible, yeah. horrible, horrible, awful. It was a I horrible mean, debut. he he Nightmare. gave away the penalty, but his passing was bad. His control was bad. He got got a yellow card for a really reckless, clumsy late tackle, uh, and he got subbed off at half time. And and we saw the difference straight away when Anguissa came on for him. That Napoli were much much better. In, in much Look, Cayusta, as I said, Jens Cayusta is going to need time uh, to adapt, uh, to, to, to grow into this role. And and I think Napoli, given who they've got in midfield, can give him that time. I think it was very brave of Rudy Garcia. I think that's one of the reasons that Aurelio picked uh, Rudy Garcia is the fact that he does give young players a chance. He's good at getting them over 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 time to 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 get them into a system. So I think it was it was a bit brave by Rudy Garcia to play Caius there. But I I think that I'm not surprised that it went like it did because he didn't really have that many have that much time to train with Napoli. I think you're gonna. This is this is this is their. They need to give him some time. They need to see him as this kind of you know. A, rotation player this season he needs to get into the swing of things he needs to have proper training sessions he needs to get into the to understand how how Rudy Garcia wants to wants them to play and in turn that that applies to the whole team because you know it's a new it's a new coach as well it's one thing if you come into a team with a 
manager has already been there two, three seasons, then it's much more easier to get into the swing of things. But when you also have a manager who's trying to impose new changes to a team that's already a champion, you've got quite a lot of unknowns there um, that take time to 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 smooth over. Um, but there's no doubt that it was a disaster start. It was not a good debut. It was a horrible debut. Um, and and I just want to say, for me, if it wasn't for for Victor Osim and Show, Di Lorenzo would have been the man of the match because, again, the leadership that this guy shows is just. You, this is what you want from your captain. He he leads by example. He's the. I mean, if 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 Osimhen is the flair, Di Lorenzo is the heart and soul of Napoli. You know, he's mm. he really really leads by example defensively, uh, offensively. I mean, he had what oh, two well, assists. Offensively in this game, I mean, the, look at look at the, the look at the two assists. I mean, the one where yeah. he went on the run down the right. Um, I mm. mean, yeah, fantastic. But. On Frosinone's side, let's let's be honest. We, we both had them as yeah, our picks to down. go down. I, you had last. them, I think, second. Had them, you had yeah, them second for Bomber. I had yeah. them last. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, looking at this, there, there's, there's, they're going down. <laughs> they're going down. Yeah, really. it was, it's, it's like they're they need not a miracle. A, they need a miracle, and Eusebio Di Francesco mm. is, <laughs> doesn't do miracles. <laughs> so Apart from taking Roma to the semi-finals and beating yeah, Barcelona. <laughs> yeah, that that that, One, that, that, we'll yeah, that, that clock and all happen. that. That did happen once, and then that was a crazy game. Um, but no, I look. I think that he's going to be the first coach to get sacked in the Serie A. That's that's again. what I said last week. <laughs> again, again, and I think that this is the last time we see him in the Serie A, uh, and, unless by some miracle he. I think he's going to go into the people in Zaghi caliber. That he's a decent Serie mm-hmm. B coach, but not not good enough for the Serie A. Yeah. Okay, well, let's move on to Inter then, because uh, what Victor Ossiman did, Lautaro matched with with two with two goals of his own as Inter beat Monza two 0 um, I was very very impressed by 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 Inter um, in this win. I thought they were fantastic. Uh, they were totally dominant. They created lots of chances. They conceded virtually nothing. Lots of great performances, individual performances, which which we'll go through. Um, is that your take on the on the game as well? I was incredibly impressed. This is exactly the reply, the response I wanted Inter to give and Inzaghi to give. I wanted a continuation uh, mentally and tactically of last season, uh, but of course an updated version. I saw all of those things. I saw an Inter, and above all, uh, an Inter where there is no more question as to who the leader and the focal point of this team is. It's Lautaro Martinez, then it's Nicolo Barella, then it's Alessandro Bastoni. That's the hierarchy. Everyone is behind it. Um, and they played for one another, in for him, and he played for the team. He's the captain now. He's the new captain. Um, and he wants to be the leader. He wants to be the focal point. And Inter want him to be that as well. Not just the club, but also the players. We saw that. They, they were so, so good. And I think he was world-class against Monza. He needs to, you know, last year he finished second in the Casa Capocannoniere, if I remember correctly, after Victor Osimhen, didn't he? Um, and there was talk this, this, uh, there was, there was this thing where, you know, who's going to, which I tweeted out, who's going to stop Victor Osimhen becoming the Capocannoniere? And I still think that he's going to become that. Um, but I think Lautaro Martinez is going to give him a run for his money this season. And in order, and what I mean by that is, 
Lautaro, for Inter to win the Scudetto, I think Lautaro needs to score minimum 25 goals in the Serie A alone. What I saw against um, Monte is a player who I still stay, stand by the statement that I don't think he's a number nine, a classic number nine or, or someone like that. But in a two-man attack in this system with that is so direct, I think he can be the 25-30 goal in the league kind of season player. I loved how Inter played. I loved that Simone had the balance right. I loved that they played when they needed to counter-attacking football. They they weren't they were they weren't stretched, but they also weren't that narrow. The balance was perfect. Sure, there were instances where they looked a little bit rusty defensively, and Inzaghi was crystal clear after the game that I need another defender, um, and. And, and he looks like he's going to get it, but we'll get to that. But the midfield for me was was what I loved the most. Um, I uh, uh, the the way that the that they interchange positions, the way that Inter in this system interchange positions, and how direct they are, and the the Inzaghi triangles, as I call them, because he loves the one touch triangle, um, which is not it's not as horizontal. It's it's much more vertical. His football. Um, mm. And the way that they play themselves, the, the first goal is a perfect example of that. And also the, th- the third goal as well, a- again, triangles. And what was really impressive with the third goal was that it was mainly by the debutants, Carlos Agosto and, and, and Arnautovic, um, who were involved. Um, that was really impress- impressive. The second uh, goal. To me. Yeah, sorry, the second goal, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was, I was thinking to myself, didn't it win 3-0? No, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. I was doubting myself there. Yeah, no, I misspoke, it's the second goal, sorry. Uh, and above all, if we're talking about debutants, Marcus Turam. This is why I keep saying he is Edin Dzeko's replacement, because that's what he's supposed to do. That's what Edin Dzeko did when he was young. He used to drop in deep, he used to build up, he used to win the ball, he used to run with the ball, he could dribble. But he, of course, at Inter the last two years, he's not able to do that because his body won't allow him to do that. But Marcus Turam's body allows him to do that. He can he can dribble, he's technical, he can run. I love the fact that he ho- can hold the ball up uh, high high up the pitch and, and win with his back against the goal, uh, with his back against uh, the opponent. I thought he was fantastic. Um, I, I, I was really, really impressed. I thought again, he was really good at winning the ball, winning the ball yeah. back. I thought that that is where he was very impressed. And he worked really, really hard. Um, and no, I love the, the distribution that, too. The I love the distribution he when he played out wide, when he wins the ball and plays out wide. That's his job at Inter, and 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 that's what he needs to do. Um, yeah. And I got to say, if we're talking about debuts, Marko Arnautovic. I mean, I've been very critical. Sensational, of, sensational. Like what? Look, if he's going, he looks. Hungrier. You know who he looked like. You know Ibrahimovic. Who he looked like. Ibra. He looked, he looked like, like Ibra. Ibra. It was like watching, it watching, like it was like watching Zlatan. Yeah, it was like watching Zlatan. That that that's how it was. The, the it was mentality. it was like the arro- no, but the arrogance of the way that he dropped sort of like 30, 40 yards from goal back to goal, yeah. just just nonchalantly just stood there like a, a big six foot four beast that yeah. he is, and technical like to, hell. The ball just stuck to him. Players bounced off him, and he brought others into play. But and not but, just you know, that, and not just that. The fact that he seems to be in a, like, because he said himself that I was very immature and a hothead when I was at Inter last, and I've matured. He's, if he can go on with this mentality that this is this is him winning the lottery, he's back at Inter, he can actually do great things. And if he's focused on delivering, and if he's this mature, then Inter have a, then Inter have done a fantastic signing. There's no doubt about that. Um, because 
look you saw he has an x factor there's no doubt about he has an x factor i mean we saw that with the assist for his goal Mm. he did a a brilliant back heel as well before Mm. that augusto augusto chance um but he's just he has that supreme confidence and he can make stuff happen out of nothing as well so I mean, you know, let's not get carried away with anything that we say on this no, pod today with any no. of the teams because it's one game. Oh, it's just um, one game. But but Inter Inter there was all I thought all the debuts. I thought all, I don't think any of their Inter players. I think Sommer. I think I, only, I Sommer. Jan Sommer. Well, Sommer pushed one out, but apart from that, I thought he was fine. The only well, one. The, the only though, one. Look, it was his first competitive game for Inter, and I think you need to be a bit lucky. And God bless Hakan Chalanoglu for that block, because. If he makes a mistake and that goes in, you know how it gets. It gets into your head. But Chalanoglu saving him with that block will create confidence and belief and team team unity that, you know, we work for each other. When I make a mistake, you cover for me. I apologize. Do you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. I think that was, it was so important for him to keep a clean sheet. And it was so important for him. The one where he pushed it out. The one where he pushed it out into the danger zone. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that that can happen. I mean, that can happen sometimes when the ball gets across the box. Yeah, I know. But at the same time, it's, there has been question marks around this. And, and, and I do think that was a poor intervention. I thought from, apart from that, he was faultless. I thought he was, he was, he was absolutely faultless apart from that. Um, I thought all the interplayers that the only one I would be critical of was probably Bisek when he come on, he got done by, um, who was it? He got done by, I think Caprari, who who took him on too easily. You know, he's, he's the really, only one. Yeah. Apart from that, I thought every other interplay was great. I thought DiMarco again, fantastic. Every time DiMarco plays, he's a threat with either his creation or with his shots. I think he had three shots, went close three times. Dumfries was 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 fantastic on the right. He got yeah, a Dumfries brilliant really assist. Good. Really good. Um, and the midfield, like you said, they were all all really good and dominant. Um, the defense was 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 comfortable. Um, I thought even Quadrado, I thought was very lively when he came really? on. Uh, Augusto as well. Uh, Fratesi didn't really get enough time. Um, you know, I thought I thought inter were, were, I thought individually, collectively, no doubts about it. Consistency from terms of from the first minutes to the last, Inter were the team of the weekend, no doubt about it. They were fantastic. Uh, uh, Monza, Monza, I think are they've taken a step back from last season, and I guess that is to be expected when you lose lose Sensi, you lose Augusto. Uh, who else have they lost uh, from last season? So you know they they, they have been weakened from from, la- from I think, last season. Yeah. I I think they'll be fine. They'll stay up. No, they're but not I don't go think down. They, they won't reach down. the same levels. I think they'll probably drop no. a few places from last season. Yeah. Well, I'm going to like I said. I mean, I always wait for the mercato to end before I give a final one to twenty prediction and all that stuff. But I I, I have I have months around thirteen fourteen play a spot 13 14 somewhere like yeah i'd probably go 12 something like that as well yeah i mean mm. i think i think they have i think they have um they, they've dipped a bit but they were, were playing a good team um right pavard we won't we're only touching him very very quickly because we, we want to discuss him properly on the on the next show um so benjamin pavard what is the situation there is he, he's close to joining inter right well, if you ask uh, right now, everyone is, you know, there's this term in Italian football journalism where they say it's raining confirmation. Uh, and, and that's what's happening now. It's raining down. Everyone is from England to Germany what's the Italian to term Italy. For that? Piovere. You know, Piovere. when it's raining, yeah, when it's, when it's raining, sta piovendo confermazione. Uh, and, and that's, you know, when they say that. And, and it's... Um, and 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 that's what's happening now. Everyone from Lothar Mateus to 
our good friend Sky Cava oh, to we'll everyone to else. Mateus. <laughs> 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 no, but everyone is saying no, like but it's, it's true. It's, it's true. Everyone's everyone's on everyone's on the same page. It's, it's, no. uh, deal, mean, but to be fair, been, Pavard is been not, pretty much agreed. Yeah, and Pavard isn't exactly hiding it, is he? I mean, the man is. No. Fo- he I think, follows that, I think what's holding play. it up? I think all that's left is buying. Have to sell. Have to find the replacement. Basically, yeah. that's where that's where we're at. Basically, yeah. I mean that, that's well, that's where it's going. And look, those who listen to this pod in January will know that Benjamin Pavard was my number one target to replace Milan Skriniar. I think Milan just Benjamin Pavard in this Inzaghi system. You got Bastoni on the left and this guy on the right. <laughs> that improves Inter a lot. I think he's more adapted to playing Inzaghi's football than Skriniar ever was. Um, mm. So to me, that is just that is a that is an insane signing. Um, and what a way to end the transfer market, which has been a, mm. you know, started okay, but then the Lukaku nonsense and Skamaka and all that. I think it could be a blessing. The Samatsic deal falling through, I think, could be a blessing because Inter didn't mm. need Samatsic. They did need no, um, they didn't. Pavard. They didn't. They, yeah. they absolutely need Pavard, uh, which is what a lot. And if they got Samatsic, they wouldn't have got Pavard. They wouldn't have had the money no. to, to buy Pavard. No, they wouldn't. Which is in, which is why most Inter fans were furious. All Inter fans were furious. Going, why are we arguing over the sixth midfielder when we don't have a starting right centre back? <laughs> like, mm. because with with this signing, if it goes through, Matteo Darmian, he can play as a left centre back. He can play as a left wing back. Like you free up so much space. That yeah. that in in the squad that it, it allows you, and that's what Inzaghi wants. It's obvious from this game and these signings that he wants to have tactical flexibility. He wants to be able to play in many different ways. He wants to have all the toolbox tool tools in his kit box to be able to address a game. Um, because Cuadrado, Augusto, Dumfries, DiMarco all offer different things. The midfield, same thing there. They all offer different ways. They allow Inter to be unpredictable. And that's something that it's, mm. it's clear that Minzaghi's matured so much to the point now where he has lines on how he wants to play, but he wants to be able to offer that unpredictability when the game calls for it. And depth and and it gives and, depth, and it gives into yeah. and it gives into depth as well. We'll, oh, we'll chat we'll chat about this more we'll chat about this more in more depth, but I, I you know, just to reiterate what I said, I do like how Inter is shaping up now if they get Pavard even more so. Um let's move on to Juventus, um who who won well, three nil at Udinese, and I'm just gonna come out and say it, this was the best Juventus of the Allegri second era. Um, there's no doubt about that for me. Um, and I would say the big the big takeaways from this for Juventus is we saw a Juve that was much fitter, much more intense. Um, the best Juventus in terms of mentality and application under under mm. Allegri in his second reign. They they look they look like I said, much more fitter, much more intense, more aggressive, more more determined. It was an angry Juve. It was a Juve that we just haven't seen. We haven't seen this in the last two years. The forget pride about, was forget hurt. about yes, yeah. the pride. Forget about all the criticisms about you know the patterns of play and the the, the, the ideas and the movements <laughs> and the passing. Forget about all that. I'm talking about simply about the mentality and the application. And this was a this was a Juve that went out there and wanted it. And and yes, we did see a more progressive mentality as well. We but saw, we saw a ruthless Juve. Let's be we honest. Saw we saw a ruthless Juve. Yeah. Because if with, you look at the- if we look at, I mean, this is a little bit like upside down world. Because if we actually look at the Juve, look at Juventus. I think the three goals they made were all unforced errors from Udinese, all three of them. But Juventus were killers. The ruthless Juve that used to 
that if you make one mistake against Juve, they will rip you apart. They will score on it. They will hurt you. That's the vibe I got from Juve. That's that's the main takeaway for me with, from Juventus. Um, the progressive mentality, all of that is true. But if we're perfectly honest, Juventus didn't really create that much. They didn't. They didn't create that much on their own. What they were were ruthless when it comes to mistakes. Juve, yeah, they were. They like were ruthless. This, but but if you're going to play be, like this, man, you can't do anything. You can't. You have to. to you have to have the players. You know, the, the progressive mentality is important in being ruthless because Juventus played with a much higher line. They were getting yeah, players up did. the pitch. They were getting players up the pitch. I mean, Cambiasso, you know, have a look at his heat map of where he was was in the, in the game. I mean, he was playing so much of the game basically as a left winger, and then also he was moving in field in a kind of. Pep Guardiola, Roberto De Zerbi kind of way, you know, which is mm. unheard of for Allegri. Um, you know, midfielders pushing into the box. Have a look at Miretti's. And Miretti wasn't particularly great, but have a no. look at him in the his heat map in the first half. You know, he was pushing into the box, uh, virtually playing as a centre forward, virtually like Barella plays played for Italy under Mancini in the Euros. You know, basically becoming a second centre forward. You know, these are the kind of things that have been unheard of in the first two years. And when you do that. You get players in the positions to take advantage of errors, or or to or you know you have more players in the box, then the 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 the, the chances and probability of you scoring are obviously naturally are higher, whether you create it or whether it comes from a mistake. Um, so you know I think that was very 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 important, and you know we are seeing already. I've spoken to people. We even saw it from the quotes after the game from both Chiesa and through uh, Vlaovic. The influence already of Federico Magnanelli, who was brought in this summer um, by Juventus as a as a tactical coach, he's come in specifically to to work. He's working in the team with Allegri um, just on the tactics. And both uh, both uh, uh, Chiesa and and Vlaovic talked about it. Um, Chiesa said, um, "You know, we are not just static; we move around a lot, and that is what uh, the coach is asking of." Asking from us with the arrival of Manianelli, we are trying out these these new tactics. Vlaovic said, uh, "With Manianelli, we're trying out new tactics. We're showing that we can play well together." Um, so, you know, uh, sorry, just to carry on with Chiesa, he says we mustn't just clam up in the back. We need to push and press. Um, we showed that today. This is what modern football is about: attacking them high up. Um, so, you know, this is something that that Manianelli clearly has had an influence on. He's a He's a disciple of De Zerbi. I mean, he's a Sassuolo legend. Um, those two are very, very good friends. And you can see, you know, again, same with Inter, same with Napoli. Let's not get carried away on one game against, admittedly, a very poor Udinese team. But you can see what they're trying to do. You can see the identity and what they're, the, the difference is. That there's a, there was a clear difference in terms of mentality uh, and in terms of, and in terms of fitness. Um, and so that was those were the two biggest takeaways in terms of the, the team uh, for me in in this game. Yes, I, I agree with 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 everything there. But for me, I think there is still there's still like I'm I'm still it was a good start. I love it was Juve returning a little bit back to Juve's identity in terms of the mentality wise, in terms of the mentality and who they are. They were angry. Their pride was hurt. The ruthlessness. The the, the Juve being killers. Um, but for me, like like you said, for everything you mentioned uh, about Cambiasso, for me, it was the man of the match. But after that, one thing I really, really liked was Vlaovic. He won so quite a few challenges playing with his back against 
a defender, which is something that I've been talking about that I think he needs to learn how to do that in order to be a world-class number nine. Well, he certainly is off to a good start. Um, he looked really good. The positional movements and changes between him and Kiesa Vlaovic, Cambiasso, the midfield, were outstanding. They looked like they... They looked like they they were they had an understanding as well, and I think that's only going to improve. But for me, the main takeaways are Cambiasso and Vlaovic, and of course Chiesa looked fit, looked like the world class player that he has. You know the talent the talent he has warrants him to be branded as. Um, he was he's just and and again I stand. This is why I keep saying it in a two man attack, him and Vlaovic. They, they can cause anyone problems. They really can. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's two players. For, for me, two players absolutely stood out f- among the crowd in this game. Cambiasso, who we've got segment coming on uh, in a minute, so we, we won't talk about him now. Cambiasso, man of the match for me, magnificent. Uh, and Chiesa. I thought Chiesa was brilliant uh, in the first half. Uh, you know, he scored a goal within two minutes. He was ruthless, like you said. Brilliant pre-assist. Um, the back heel to to Cambiasso for when Cambiasso crossed for the Rabio goal, he was going past his man. He was going on the outside and the inside. He was showing confidence. That that is another really important takeaway. We saw the confidence of Keza because last season, you know, he was still playing within himself because he he was worried about the injury. Do you remember that game in Europe? Who was it that? Do you remember he just like hobbled around for like the last five yeah. minutes of of a, of a European game? I'm not sure if it was against Freiburg. But I can't remember. And um, where it was like he was so scared that he was going to get injured that he didn't even want to try and run anymore. Like he took a knock, which was nothing to do mm. with the, his former injury. And he was like, you know, I don't want to run. <laughs> and like, Juventus had used all their subs. Like you could yeah. see he had his confidence. He was trying things. I remember he tried this ridiculously audacious outside of the the boot pass that he tried to put to the other mm. side of the pitch and he got it wrong he, he messed up the connection but that was that for me that was a good sign because it showed that this is somebody that is trying is trying stuff that he wasn't trying anymore so that is hugely important for Juventus and for for Italy um I think that Vlaovic yes I thought it was much improved Vlaovic uh, he obviously got the confidence boost with the with the with the penalty goal uh, I still, I still feel but like his, his overall, overall game. Play, his overall play. I thought it was better. I still, I still, I still want to see more. I still saw some occasions where he was making the wrong runs. Uh, that kind of game understanding. Uh, there was definitely one in the first half where he made a terrible run where he would have been through. I can't remember who it who it was. So I, I you know, I'm not going to get carried away on one game. Um, but it was good. It was good. It was a good sign. Some good signs there. Um, Apart from that, I mean, I thought Rabiot carried on where he finished off from last season, another goal. Mm. Um, I thought it was interesting to see Moretti start, seeing as Juventus have been considering loaning him out for the season. Um, so I thought mm. that was interesting that he started. Uh, obviously, that was partly probably because Fagioli's not fit enough to start and Fagioli came on at half-time for him to get some minutes uh, some minutes in him. Uh, I thought Locatelli was pretty good. He, he showed some grinta, he won some duels. I'm still, you know, my opinion, you, you share the same opinion about him being a kind of the number six long-term. But I mean, in this mm. game, he was good. Um, Kenan Yildiz came on um, as a sub for his debut. Uh, shows again the Juventus youth system. Weyer played the first half. I thought he was okay. Um, he was all right. Didn't, wasn't involved that much because all the play was down the left of Cambiasso. Uh, Juventus needs to be a little bit careful there. Don't overdo it with Cambiasso. Don't put everything down the left, otherwise they're going to get predictable and, they, and, they, and they're going to get shut down down that side. And I think Juventus' right-hand side, 
McKenney came on at half time. Juventus cannot go this season with McKenney as the backup right wing back. They need to bring in someone there because that's going to be a big problem position. Uh, and he was predictably not very. I mean, Juventus' second half were. That's the only, that's that's the only, that's the only I negative. Laughing con- uncontrollably at home. And I was thinking, you're sitting there in your, in your couch, in your lair, yeah. in your gobby lair, going absolutely ballistic over Western McKenney being played McKinney as a right, on as a right wing winger. Swearing yeah. Allegri. Allegri. Every, this, every word. This is, is what Allegri done. You know, somebody put together a list of the, the list of players Allegri has played as a wing back during his second event <laughs> spell. Some of the names you will see on that list, honestly. It, it, it's 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 the stuff of a, of of like Christopher Lee horror movies. Like you, you could you could put it in one of those you could put it in one of those movies. It's like it's like oh unbelievable. But but yeah, I think that if I can say one negative, I would say Juventus the second half was like Allegri the last two years. Obviously, Juventus were three uh, at half time. They took their foot off the gas. They managed. You know, they were managing the the, the the heat. The the, the the heat was bad. But, you know, again, I'm just going to go back to the mentality that I was praising just a few minutes ago. Elite teams do not just stop playing and just clam up and just defend with 10 men behind the ball for 45 minutes because they're 3-0. That, again, comes down to the mentality that needs to be drummed in to Juventus, that we're a big team, we play, we control the ball, we'll dominate possession. If we don't want to really go at it 100 miles an hour, that's fine. But keep the ball, don't just put... 10 men behind the ball and, and invite pressure, which is basically what Juventus did for the entirety of the second half. Um, it's not a big deal because the game was won, but it's just, a, you know, if I'm talking about negatives, this is something that, you know, they, they, they definitely just, they just need to cut it out of their, of their mind completely. Uh, the other thing was Kostic not being brought on. Uling Jr. came on. That, for me, that's a sign that Kostic is on the market, I think. I think. Allegri I denied it after the game. Allegri denied it after the game, but you know what's he going to say? He's not going to come and say, "Oh yeah, Kostic is for sale." You know, so so I think that that's a sign. Uh, and also Sule not coming on and McKenny coming on instead as the right wing back. I think that's a sign that Sule. Well, we know Kuzuli's on the market, but that's a sign to Sule that you know what, you know, find a new club basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just yeah. before we talk about Cambiasso though, uh, Nima um, Udinese, I have to say without taking anything away from Juventus, um, they didn't look good in this game, in the first half. They look like, I think they're going to, then they're going to struggle a bit this season as well, without doing a bit of work think, between now and the end of the window. I, I, I absolutely think they will struggle, but I think they will manage to stay up simply because the three teams below them, there's at least three teams below them that aren't good enough. I think this is going to be a, a tough season for coach Sotil. Um, I think he's going to, you know, he was he was really one of the one of the standout tacticians of last season in terms of impact. And of course, they started really well, and they fell back, and then they continue. You know, they, they ended the season really well. Players took strides under him, uh, Samardzic especially. We're going to talk about too, um, but I think he needs he's going to have to work for his money this year because they do lack Delafeo a lot. They miss him so They need Delafeo back badly. I mean, when is he back? He, surely he's <sighs> got to be back soon. Know. He's been out for ages. I mean, yeah. they need him back. And also, I mean, kids. they need Samitic to stay. And if he doesn't stay, then they need a bloody good replacement because did you see, did you see the difference? Of, again, conditioned a little bit by Juventus taking the foot off the gas, but I thought Samitic was brilliant in the second half. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Some of the stuff he did, he was magical. 
Um, we saw why Inter and, and the other big clubs were after him. I thought he was absolutely, I think he was the best player on the pitch in the second half. And, and you know, you saw the difference between having Samantic on the pitch to just, just what he brings in terms of creation, creativity and, and invention. Um, so, you know, it's touch and go whether he will stay or not um, between now and, and the end of the window. I still feel like someone's going to come in for him personally. He's that he's too good. Um, so if they lose him as well, I mean, yeah, they, 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 it's going to be tough for them this season. No, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a difficult season for them, but I think they'll still stay up. But yeah, look, this uh, Samarzic, uh, they need to start him. I know Sotil was very funny in pre-game press conference. He said about how the Mercato and the situation about Samarzic has been a pain in the proverbial testicles. He used a d- diplomatic word, um, and it is. It's been a complete circus and for no reason either. But I don't think that he... I, I have a feeling that a certain Juventus is going to swoop in for him. It's... I can't... You know, I, I've... You know how sceptical I've been of this Juventus have to end the summer transfer window on 140 million euro narrative. I think that's been absolute nonsense uh, all along and I buy it for one second. Um, but they have too many players and they have to get rid of them. Yes, of course. But this notion that they have to do 140 million raised from transfer and net profit, I don't buy that one second. And I don't see Kiesa and, and Vlaovic leaving now. So um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Signor Giuntoli went in for this guy on deadline day and Samadzic at Juve, I mean... You know, you got the Serbian connection already there with Kostic and Vlaovic. I think that would be that would make them that would that would elevate their chances too. Because I think they're already going to be contenders. But then, then it's going to be a it's going to be really tight uh, for the Scudetto, more tighter than it already is. That's where I am with this. Yeah, we'll see. Well, we know Juventus ideally would like to sign a central midfielder, so I wouldn't rule it out. Um, I, I mean, I still feel they need to sign a regista, a number six. Otherwise, they, mm. they're not solving the problem they have. But yeah, let's see. Um, let's talk about Andrea Cambiasso, though. Um, he was, as I said, man of the match in this 3-0 win against Udinese. And he was he was absolutely brilliant. He was brilliant. Um, people that listen to this show... For, for a while know that I've been a big fan of him for, for a long time, for, for, for over a year. Um, I've, I've, it's like a long time since we saw him in Genoa, pretty much. I mean, yeah. And for the Italy under 21s, mm-hmm. uh, when he was playing on, on the right, um, I love how un- unorthodox this player is. He's such uh, a modern how... guy, isn't he? Like he's such a modern type of player uh, in, in how he, like the, the, the role he occupies. He's not a traditional wing back or anything like that. He's just, I just get this. I just think he's so modern in how he, and he's got such a high footballing IQ as well that he can, he, he knows how to interpret many different roles. He can, the, the, the fact that he can play inverted as well. I, I really, really rate him. Absolutely. For me, he's, he's, you know, he, 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 he's one of the most unorthodox footballers in I've, I've seen in the world. I mean, you know, we're not talking about ability here, just, no, he's just style. such a unique. He's such a unique player. I mean, I remember watching him playing right back for the Italy under twenty ones, and the way that he was cutting inside across the pitch, he was picking up the ball at right back and he was running diagonally with the ball into the centre of midfield with it, and then it was so unrefreshing and unlike anything you've seen. And, and the opposition were like, you know, they didn't know what to do. They did, the players didn't know where to move. It was just. It was it was amazing, and obviously he's playing on the left for Juventus. He's playing as a left wing back. He's playing in a three five two rather than in a four man defence. Um, but he is, you know, he says himself, Gio Cancelo is the player that he models his game on. He, he was his idol. 
Hmm. He says he studies Cancelo. Uh, he actually that shows. says <laughs> that he shows. actually said yeah he actually said and this talks about his intelligence he says that he has virtually a photographic memory so he memorizes the movements of Cancelo and then and then and then copies them and and actually Cancelo sent him a Manchester City shirt and recently signed it signed to him as as, as a present and you should have seen that they they did a video Juventus uh, that they put out on social media showing you know his reaction and he was he was made up. By, by it. I mean, he really does love the player. So, I mean, if he's even half the player that Cancelo, Cancelo was, I mean, that would be fantastic. But, but you know, this in kind this of, game, he was... If I'm, I don't, you know me, I don't like to draw comparisons to, or, you know, to players in the past or present. Um, but this, there's something about, he's got characteristics, this unorthodox characteristics, this, this, everything that you're describing, this ability that, that the fact that he's such an intelligent football player in terms of the photographic memory and all of that, that he can read situations, he can read, he can read games and he knows he can, he can read when to do what and how and what. To me, more than Cancelo, he reminds me of Zambrotta. Yes, like That I aspect agree. of his game reminds yeah, me of Zambrotta. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I don't see Cancelo in him. Um, that much. I mean, Cancelo, I think, is a much better, you know, close ball dribbler. Like, mm. Cancelo's fantastic at dribbling past players in tight spaces mm. and, mm. and Cambiasso, um, you know, we'll see. Let's see. Um, but, Cam- I mean, Cambiasso is tactically a fascinating player. I mean, yeah. he plays as a, as a left wing back. We're taking him from Juventus. He's a left wing back, but he, he comes in field. He's an, he plays. I mean, he's been playing, and this is something that Manianelli's been working on. This is clearly the print of Manianelli. So he starts off as a left wing back, but then comes into the centre of midfield. Uh, mm. So he plays as an inverted left wing back. That then vacates the space on the left wing for Federico yeah. Chiesa to move into. We saw that in pre-season. We also saw it during this during this game against Udinese as well, um, which is which is really really good. I mean, this is this is modern football. This is this is how modern football works. Um, you couldn't do that with someone like Philip Kostic, for example, because he's a total one-dimensional linear player that just goes straight up and down the lo- up and down the up and down the the, the 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 line. Now this poses problems and it causes problems for opposition teams because it pulls defenders and players out of position and and it o- opens up spaces and it creates overloads and you know so that's number one. Um, but he also you know he's shown that he's very very flexible he played I mean, he was pushing up really high as i said earlier as a left winger um pressing up high but he's also very comfortable playing in a back four you know he can play in a back four he played in a back four for um, last season for bologna he can play mm. on the left he can play on the right he he can play in the midfield he started his career as a, as a central trek autista so he's mm. you know virtually an attacking midfielder so mm. he's an attacking player <sighs> the attacking actually comes more more easier to him than than the defending um but you know so he's he's yeah he's a very very interesting player uh very modern player and i think he's the kind of player that you know we talk about it a lot about how pep guardiola arteta deserbi klopp they love these kind of inverted players like to give you examples you know klopp playing uh trent alexander arnold as a right back and then when liverpool are in position Alexander Arnold then moves into a central midfield yeah. uh, role, uh, and <clears> it goes from basically uh, it goes into a three-man defence. It goes into basically yeah. a three-two-four-one or three-two-two-three mm. kind of, you know. Mm. And and you know, Sinchenko at Arsenal playing as a left back, he moves into centre midfield when yeah. Arsenal have the ball. Uh, Pep doing the same with John Stones going from a centre back yeah. into a central midfield. You know, 
this is modern football. Players that that can morph from one role into another is huge. It's absolutely huge. And, and that they this- can do it throughout in one game. They can manage to do several roles in one game and it makes it more fluid because teams are so well prepared defensively nowadays that you need to have that kind of fluidity. Uh, about yeah. your your game and also the players have to be able to execute that those tactics absolutely and Cambiasso seems to be you know he's good on both sides yeah. he's, he's, yeah. he can go right he can go left um I mean you know look at the game against Udinese um the assist for for Rabiot's goal beautiful curled shot I mean he created two other chances in the game he had two shots in the first half um nearly scored 97% pass success rate, 100% cross success rate. I mean, he was, it was the the, the ideal debut for, for, I mean, he's been at Juventus for a year, but he's, this was his actual debut for Juventus. And he's had a quite an interesting move up the pyramid because, you know, he came four years ago, he was playing in Serie D, <laughs> you know? Yeah, with, he played uh, with Alessandria. I think it was Alessandria he played for. And then he uh, moved Yeah, in Serie C with, yeah, in Serie yeah. C with Alessandria. Yeah. But, um, he was actually in Serie D with uh, Savona. And yeah, sorry, saw, you're right. And then he went to Empoli and Dionisi was there. And he, yeah, he went, he's played yeah, he's in the space of three years. Yeah, yeah, in the space of three years, he played in all of the top four divisions yeah, of Serie yeah. A. Dionisi was there. He only, I think he only made like eight, seven, eight pre- like matches, played for them seven, eight times for Empoli when they were promoted to Serie A. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Interesting yeah. play. It's a very interesting, very interesting player very to watch. Player. Modern player. I just have to say one other thing. Again, just shows the, the the left backs that Italy have coming mm. through. Something that is great. It's great to see. We have such a depth at left back. I mean, but Cambiasso, luckily with Cambiasso, luckily with he can also play on the right. And that brings me to the Sam Zambrotta mm. thing. Do you know what I mean? Like you, yeah. he gives you because because given that Italy have Di Marco, Parisi, Udoji, well, Cambiasso can just mm. slide into the right. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah, hopefully that will happen. Um, and, and yeah, and Zambrotta is a great shot because Zambrotta also started as a forward yeah. when he was young. He was a forward, then he moved into a wide midfielder. When he joined yeah. Juventus, he was a wide midfielder. And then mm. it was Lippi that had the idea to, to bring him back yeah. as a as a, as a wing-back, as a, as a he, full-back, yeah. And then he played as a wing-back, full-back, right, left, everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right, let's move on then. Let's move on to Roma. Um, this was a this was a very entertaining game. Um, a few things to say on this. Let's, let's talk from the Roma point of view first. <laughs> Andrea Bellotti in Gallo, fifteen months without a goal. What happens? He scores two in one game. <laughs> yes, he does, and God bless him. Well, three, you know, I'm a, three actually. Yeah, he's got, he's, yeah, he scores three, and one was disallowed, and and that was the first one. And I was thinking, oh God, this is you know the, the Gallo's curse will never let up, but he didn't let it. Um, stop him. Instead, he just put his buried his head down and does what he always do does when he's fit, and that is work hard. Because that's one thing that about um, about Gallo Belotti, which I think is so admirable, is his mental strength and his work rate. He just doesn't stop working hard. He doesn't stop. He doesn't give up. He's got this kind of never say attitude about him, which is um, which is admirable. I think it's it shows mental strength, and 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 I and and, and I I really like seeing that. You know, you know how much I, this is a player I really like. I've always liked him, um, and and it's nice to see him delivering. And he scored quite a few different goals as well. I mean, he wasn't. It was he showcased the goals he scored. All three of them, albeit one was disallowed, showcased the kind of striker he is. 
and and, mm. and what a you know and, and that he can score goals in many many way, way, way different ways and maybe this is the year i mean we were talking you know if we're talking about there's quite a few redemptions uh redemption seasons uh for 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 people the you know vlaovic chiesa uh the kettler who we're going to get to well belotti too because he had an absolutely mm. torrid season last year it was it was awful um he didn't score a single goal all year um <laughs> in, in Serie in Serie in Serie of course yeah. yeah but it was just not just that and he was struggling with fitness because he just came back from an injury and I mean it was horrible for him and to, for him mm. to come back and and to do what I was kind of expecting him to do I mean I've been I've been thinking ever since you know if you want if you wanted to I, I've always thought that if they wanted to replace Jekyll Belotti would be the guy because he's you know he's, he's got you know he's a poor man's Jekyll even um, I've been saying that for a couple of years, but then last season he just did not have the physique to back that up. Well, this time around, he sure did. He really did. Yeah, um, yeah, he did. Well, we'll see. We'll Can see. I just make? Yeah, good. To, it's a good story. It's good. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him because I think he's one of the good guys. What he's an honest. Yeah. He's an honest guy. Um, mm. What I would say about Roma now, I've seen Roma getting a lot of criticism for this game. Um, I. I'm going to go against the grain here and mm. I'm not going to come out and say I thought they were fantastic. They weren't. But I thought they were very unlucky to... to I mean, if you look at the hard stats in this game, I mean, Roma had a, an XG of 2.01 in this game. Salernitana had an XG of 0.36. Salernitana basically created nothing in this game. They scored two mm. wonder goals from Candreva, which we'll come to. Um, we'll come and talk about Candreva in a minute. Uh, they, create, they created a lot of chances... Um, I thought the first half, they were in total control. I mean, Salernitana basically didn't even get out of their half until Kondreva scored that wonder goal out of nothing to equalise. Um, and we have to remember that Roma were decimated with with bands. They had four players suspended. Well, four, pe- four staff suspended. They had Dybala suspended, <laughs> Pellegrini suspended, Mourinho suspended, his assistant, uh, Fotti, is it a sp- suspended. The third in charge couldn't take charge because because the, um, he didn't have the right coaching certificate. So they had to basically wheel out Bruno Conti for the first time in 18 years. <laughs> to, I mean, to, if there's anything is more the Italian football and anything that is more quintessentially Roma, it is that. Yeah. <laughs> but Bruno Conti when I saw Bruno, Bruno Conti I was thinking, Conti what's Bruno on? Conti doing <laughs> I started giggling when I saw that yeah. I was like of course they, it just reminded me of and it, the fact it was Bruno Conti as well they reminded me when we interviewed Sven a couple of years ago and he said that he wasn't allowed to coach his team when he was appointed manager of coach of head coach of Roma and, and he wasn't allowed to because back then only Italian coaches were allowed to be to coach the team on the pitch. That's you know? right, yeah. <laughs> and it just and he story. had Bruno Conti as a player and and how he had to you know communicate with Bruno Conti who was the yeah. captain. Bruno Conti's then. like Bruno Conti. They wheel they wheel out for everything. <laughs> yes. Like in, in thirty years' time, they'll, they'll wheel, it'll be it'll be like sort of like you know Alfredo De Stefano at Real Madrid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bless him, yeah, yeah. rest in peace. Before he died, like they used to just wheel him out. Like but whenever you know, they needed some yes, I'm happy. Come in with his yeah. walking stick, like the De Stefano there for the for the, for the, for the, yeah. for the cameras. You know, yeah, but, but to I mean, make everyone yeah, happy so, and feel good. Yeah, I have to, but I have to say, what I do have one really important point here. See, Mourinho complained before the game about the, the Italian system of carrying over yellows to the new season and how he disagrees with it. I agree with him 100%. This is, this is just the, 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 the umpteenth example of everything that we complain about, about how backward and outdated like Italian 
football and society, I guess, to an extent, but Italian football is um, with everything. And, you know, we, we obviously, we go big on the marketing and, and the PR of the league, but why on earth in 2020? DJ Khaled doesn't still- do it for you. <laughs> Does DJ Khaled <laughs> yeah. on Instagram not do it for you, Carlo? Whatever do you mean? Listen, I don't even know who he is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's no exaggeration, by the way. <laughs> you really don't. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Why in 2023 are we are we carrying over yellow cards? I mean, the Premier League. The Premier League. What, I don't know how long ago the Premier League stopped. Long you know, ago. ended this. End, ended this thing. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, I, mean, I get red cards. Games. I get red cards. Red cards is fine. Red cards is fine. Yeah. What, yellow cards, like cumulative suspensions. Yellow card from one season to another. It's like, yeah. why? It's <laughs> ridiculous. Silly. Yeah. Mourinho, but it, and, and, wasn't spawn. it like this as well? I read something that that's why Yunus Musa is also suspended Abs- from Milan. Yes, I was going to say the same. And he thing. lives in, yeah. and he was suspended in Spain. <laughs> <laughs> They're actually bringing that suspension over. It's just like, oh my god, it's yeah. Italian. Eh? I, mean, uh, I just... love it. No, but like like Sven said, Italy is Italy. It will never change. <laughs> like you know, we just can't accept it. You know, yeah. like he said in our, in our interview. You know, Italy is Italy. <laughs> Yeah, it traditions are traditions, eh? I mean, Italy has these things, don't they? These, just, yeah, these they bizarre do. traditions they keep to. The other you one just is... You to accept it. The other, like, the other thing is, and I don't want to get into a whole debate about religion, but this, this, you know, you get you get suspended for, for, for blasphemy. This blasphemy <laughs> law they have yes, in Italian. I know, I know. I mean, what? I mean, it's blasphemy. 2023. You say God, oh my God, and you get sus- you get sent off and suspended. No, well, no, I you, mean... it's, if you say other more foul things, like, you know. I know, but you know what I mean. I mean, yeah. it's just like. <laughs> but yeah, blasphemy, getting, getting suspended for blasphemy is so hilariously yeah. Italian in 2023. It's just, um, it's very, very, very funny. But it, like, you know, it is what it is. It, they, you know, they're not going to change and, and, and there are good aspects about that. And then there are bad aspects about that. I think, I just think you can be fluid. You can keep the good of the old, and then you can get rid of the bad with the old, and bring new influences and create something new. But it mm. is what it is. Yeah, it is I would want to say do one positive for Roma though. I thought Awa is going to be a good oh, signing. Told you, he's going to be a good signing. <laughs> he's, he's a, a lovely, he's lovely got, player. If he he's can got stay beautiful fit. feet, yeah, beautiful feet, beautiful, fantastic close ball control technique. <laughs> tight spaces like he's my kind of player you know my kind of midfielder yeah, him, don't you i go on about it all the time mm. players that are good in good short game that can play the triangles mm. that keep the ball they're, they're you know you're confident as soon as they get the ball they're not going to lose it um yeah that you, you can see straight away you can see he's just a he's just naturally technically he's just a lovely little he's player. a lovely little player uh, you want a free transfer it's unbelievable and i think together with renato sanchez they can actually do something uh, yeah, but, but that, I'm looking that, forward to see. Good. I'm looking forward to see some of the the triangles like between mm. him and Dybala and mm. I mean Pellegrini as well. If they can somehow get it working together, you know, these are the kind of players that be you, know, you won't get the ball. If they can get it working, you know, it's the kind of players that you won't get the ball off them. They'll keep the ball. Yeah, you know. So I, I think he's going to be a good signing. I agree. Um, I agree. I think so. As but well. I mean, we have to talk about Antonio Candreva. I mean, wow. I mean, absolutely wow. The player of the weekend, and there's not, e- and it's not even close. There were other players who scored fantastic. I mean, we already talked about how fantastic Osimhen was and how world class both him and Lautaro were. But the player of the weekend is Antonio Candreva. That second goal was insane. 
like just just the entire movement, the way Both he of them takes. I thought were amazing. Yeah, but the, the, the second, second one, one the second one, when you take the way he takes the ball down with his right foot and then blasts it home with it. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, world class. And this, and and the thing with Kandreva is exactly that. He, I don't think he's. There's this this almost phenomenon that is very Italian, although there are examples of it elsewhere as well. I think Matt, Matt Letizia is a t- typical ex- example from way back then, you know, the provincial genius, do you know what I mean? You could never do it at a big club, but at a smaller side, he's absolutely top class. And Antonio Candreva... a small side, eh? <laughs> well, they're not. They're not a uh, one of the big three. I mean, let's be honest. Neither, neither are Napoli and neither are, are, are Roma. I mean, traditionally, historically, Roma, Lazio, Napoli are just under the Inter Milan Juve, um, the biggest clubs. Um, and and that's not you know that's just how it is. It's not it's not a dig on Lazio, but it's it's just that when he came to Inter and when even even at Lazio, I remember Lazio fans and Lazio you know journalists. The biggest critiques against him was everything he was criticised for at Inter. Uh, just less amplified um, because Lazio didn't dominate possession as as much as 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 or, or expected to dominate possession as much as Inter were uh, when he was there, and and he just but you know so I think you know he's shown it once more again that he is he he's he's fantastic player. The talent is unbelievable. Some of the screamers that he scores look, it, it's just that uh, you know this this is the level he's been he should be at. He should never have gone to Inter. Uh, he, I know he was at Juve as well, though he was really young then. But you know, you know what I mean. Like the, the, the team's just under. I the... think he was unlucky with Juventus and with Inter. He joined those clubs when they were in periods of transition and, and periods when they weren't, you know, they weren't at their best and they were they were reconstructing both of them. Um, I think so. I think he was a little bit unfortunate. Um, as well, I uh, think that that's fair. And, that's fair. Uh, but I, I do strongly believe. I, I feel he's one of the most underrated players of his generation. I mean, some of the criticism I see from some fans of Kanjareva, like almost like he's a banter player, um, including from Juventus and Inter fans. Uh, well, and I just think, you know, you just don't. I'm sorry, you just don't understand football because he look at his numbers. Hundred, he's got over a hundred goals in his career for club and country. I mean, you don't score midfielders. Wide mm. midfielders do not score over 100 goals unless you are a top player, um, and that's that's a magnificent goal total for for a for a wide. No, it is. There's no doubt about that. But I mean, this is the, the problem with Kandreva has been the consistency or the the distance between when he's at his absolute highest and the lowest l- level. Antonio Kandreva at Inter when he was poor was genuinely an eyesore to watch, but when he was fantastic, when he was when he hit his those high notes, he was world class. The problem is the distance. There is no patience at Milan, Inter and Juve for players to be this inconsistent or for players to have that high and such those lows. There just isn't that patience. And especially when you don't hit those highs as often as Candreva didn't do at both Juve and Inter. He wasn't that that often that good. Then it becomes... Then, then that, that you're going to be criticised and you're going to be dragged for it. But I agree with you that he deserves more respect. Absolutely. Yeah, brilliant. Fantastic. 36 years old. Um, okay, so talking about Kandreva's former club, Lazio, they suffer the shock of the weekend, losing 2-1 to Lecce. Um, and, yeah, this was I thought this was a potential banana skin before the game. Um, it has to be said that Lazio went 1-0 up through Immobile and missed 
Well, I counted at least three huge chances to make it 2-0, maybe four. Uh, Lanzari and to. Dilip Anderson. Annie Morbele missed an absolute sitter yeah, when he hit but the bar. we have to play, praise Falcone for that save. Surely. The Immobile uh, save. Yeah. I mean, yeah. wow. Yes, he yeah. was lucky, but that was a monster of a save for me. Like that's one of the one of the candidates for saves of the season, in my opinion. I thought it was truly, truly beautiful. one fantastic save. Yes, he should have he should have buried it. He had all the goal. All of that is true. But we should give Falcones his props too, because he was wow. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, Lecce didn't really create anything in this game until until well, the end. Yeah, and, when the substitutes two, came on. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, yeah, yeah, two we'll, goals in the last, was it five minutes, eight yeah. minutes of the game? Yeah. And, and they turn it around and they win 2 1. And is Federico Di Francesco, who, if I'm not mistaken, is the son of Eusebio Di Francesco. Correct, um, yeah. <laughs> which, um, Pontus yeah. Alkvist has been getting, been getting a lot of praise, though. Um, yeah, he has. In, in pre season. Well, he's uh, it's very it's a funny story with him because he was he's, he was good and he was sold for big money uh, to to Russia from EFK Norrköping, but you know he was never he's never been hyped in Sweden the same way that someone like Jens Kajuster or Jesper Karlsson or, or or who's on his way to Bologna by the way, um, etc. Or you know Dejan Kulusevski, yeah, Dejan Kulusevski or Alexander. He was never hyped on par with them, but this is a good player. Um, he's, he's an interesting player, and his technique is actually really good. I mean, if you look at the goal, that's a that's a good damn goal that he scores. Yeah, technically that's, a very good volley. Technically, yeah. that's not easy to do. Uh, he does have the most awkward celebration, the golf swing. I die. I love. Well, I don't like the golf swing, but I love the little acrobatics before it, though. Mm, yeah, fair enough. But the golf. We swing don't see that. Be, I mean, they, he'll be told to stop doing that. Football, football clubs tell <laughs> they'll tell they tell you to stop doing that because players get get uh, get injured doing it. And mm. yeah, <laughs> and, the, the golf know. swing just makes me want to. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, golf swing. Yeah, I don't know about that, but, <laughs> but yeah, I love, <laughs> I, love that. I love the acrobatics. But we have to say though, from Lazio's point of view, and Sari said it himself, he went ballistic after game. That is atrocious defending on both goals yeah, for not to, for not for not. Closing down Alquist, first of all, which is really bad, unacceptable. You can't have that much time to, to, to volley it, let the ball drop and volley it like Alquist did. But the second goal, you won't see worse defending all season than, than, the, than the second goal, the, the, the Di Francesco winner. Mr. Patrick involved again, was he? <laughs> <laughs> well, he was playing, so... <laughs> Romagnoli uh, was, to be fair, Romagnoli yeah. was right there in the thick of it yeah, as well. He was, he was. He was. Look, um, I think um, I I agree with Sari, but I also blame him a little bit. Um, I think his substitutions were strange. I think taking off Kamada to bring on Vecino was was very. Uh, it was a def- unnecessarily defensive substitution. Um, I like that he brought on Isaksen, although Isaksen's going to need time. Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like Lazio are not there. And they they don't look... They, they still look like they were in pre-season, if I put it to you like that. And that's that's not a good sign um, for, for Lazio to be in. But look, it's, um, it is what it is. Uh, you know, 
I, I think this, as we said, and as I said last season, Lecce away is a difficult game. Um, and Lecce are a tricky side, um, and especially at home. And you saw their crowd. Now, I mean, it was, it was a packed Via del Mare again. And they are, they, they, you know, they, they really make the difference. It's, it's not an easy ground to come and play at. Um, and I think more, more teams than Lazio will struggle there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Lecce will will. I think they'll stay up this season. Oh, um, I think so as well. I'm pretty sure. I hope so. I hope so. We need. We need. I we mean, need. they'll be there or thereabouts, but I think yeah. they've got they've got enough. They've got enough there. Got it was nice quality. to see Daversa as well, and and you know, of course, with the whole Carlo Mazzone passing away and, and those links, it was it yeah. was a nice story. It's a nice story. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, right, let's let's um, we're going over. Let's let's quickly go through the other game. So Sassuolo Atalanta first. Atalanta win two 0 two late goals. There's only one story here, and that is Charles de Ketteler, his first goal in Serie A after a disastrous spell at Milan. Comes on loan with an option to buy to Atalanta this summer. Scores with a header. He went close before with a big chance. He should have buried it. That he hit the bar. We think again, like Belotti, we think, and here we go again. With with De Ketelé, and uh, and then he scores a header, nice header actually, very yeah, good it header. Was. Um, it was uh, that he scores, uh, and yeah, this was. Um, I think Atalanta probably in the in the end deserved to win this this game. Zortia scored a crack in second goal in injury time. Um, Sassuolo no had no Berardi, uh, Loriente two two fantastic shots that they went close with. Other than that, yeah, didn't offer too much Sassuolo. Um, the big, but I think it was still overshadowed this by the serious injury to El Bilal Torre, who uh, is going to be out yeah. for what well, it seems like he's out most of the season. That is a disaster. That is so unlucky. Um, so that's unlucky. a disaster for it. Really is, isn't it? That's no, going to really condition is. their season. It no, really absolutely. is going to condition it. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, they win this game, but you you worry for the effects you know that's going to have on their their attack. But Schemacher played. He had his debut, decent debut. And um, Atalanta are, are off, and so are Fiorentina. They thrashed uh, the newly promoted Genoa four-one away. Artur getting a big plaudits for his performance. He was outstanding. Game. Fiorentina, Fiorentina centre midfield without Amrabat, um, Bonaventura, Mandragora, and Arthur really, really dominated. Bonaventura's, Bonaventura's assist for Mandragora's yeah. goal, <laughs> absolute genius. I'm sorry if someone, if Messi had done that yeah. or De Bruyne, yeah. we'd be seeing it non-stop online. Um, a kind of disguised reverse chipped through ball, almost a no look, almost. <laughs> and yeah, it if was... it was called Bonaventino, everyone would be raving over it. <laughs> yeah, Messi or something. Yeah, no, he was that, that. That was that was beautiful. There's no doubt about that. Um, there's no. It, it was beautiful. Nico Gonzalez in the air as well. He is one of the most underrated players, players in area. Well, underrated yeah. full stop, but aerially, mm. he is a mm. beast in the air. He leaps. Talking about Osimhen leaping, Nico Gonzalez, he can jump, I tell you. Absolutely no, he can. Jump. I really enjoyed um, Fiorentina, this game, and I thought they were cohesive, um, and they were they didn't look... Sometimes last season when they created so much, I just felt they was a little bit too frantic. I didn't think they were frantic this time around. I think they looked in control and in composed. Control, more control performance. Yeah. yeah, and and killers up front. They have killers. Um, and look, Rolando Mandragora is one of my favorite players, so I'm not going <laughs> to wax too much about him. But if if they can, if he, the more he plays and scores, the happier I am. Um, but now their midfield was lovely. 
and Arthur Melo, what a debut. I mean, if Vincenzo Italiano can get him to play like this week in, week out, you have one of the best midfielders in the Serie A right there. I wonder if, mm. he, you know, if, if Juve won't bring him back afterwards. I mean, if he's going to play like mm. that. You know, it's, you know how yeah. much I rate the guy. I really do. I really rate I guess him. It depends. It threads on the manager because I think we both agree that if he, yeah. if he can't work under Italiano, then it has to get, come to a point where we say, Arthur, it's your fault. Because yeah. there isn't a there isn't a more ideal coach for him no. than Italiano, somebody that wants his centre midfielder to break the lines and take risks. And and Arthur, that is his game. Mm. He's great in over the first five yards at breaking the press mm. and not losing the ball and just moving yeah. it on. So, yeah, that was good. Unzola debut, he got an assist. Um, but the one thing that really made me smile in this game was that Italiano gave Caiode uh, mm. the start at right back, and yeah. he was and he was really good. And it's really, I was really, really because. In our preview for the new season, one of the things I said is I want to see some of the, the Euro under-19 winners and the under-20 World Cup finalists. I want to see these players be given more of a chance this season. That was one of the things I said. And so it was really, you know, he's the guy that scored the winner in the Euro-19 final. He was fantastic in that final. He actually played as a right winger, but but he's kind of generally been playing more as a right back. And uh, so that was really good. And I hope that he can, yeah, he can play a lot this season. Fiorentina and he's got a good coach to help him develop as well so that that mm. was I'm really happy I'm really, really really happy to see that okay the other game was Empoli uh Neil Verona one um not a great game it's between the two teams that we both think are going to go down as well uh Bonnet Zoli scored a late winner after a terrible mistake by the goalkeeper Caprile dropped the corner straight onto his uh, lap and Bonnet Zoli stuck it away recording this on uh, the afternoon of Monday. Um, so on Monday evening, we have Torino Cagliari and then Bologna versus Milan. So those are the games to finish match day one. Right. Um, just, just, before, just, I just, just, just before we do that, I just have to say Empoli Hellas, um, Caprile, I mean, Vicario is so missed at Empoli. I, if we're talking about players being missed at their clubs, I can't think of anyone more missed than Guglielmo Vicario, honestly. It was. It Caprile was. is quite highly rated, though, isn't he? Yeah, but uh, I mean, he's played for Italy under twenty ones. You know, he's played yeah. for the twenty one national team. He's owned by Napoli. I mean, I know he's quite highly rated, but yeah, that was a terrible. But it's not just that. It was the inside, It was not just that. The, the, the all throughout the game, and same with Montipo. It was a battle of two really poor goalkeepers. Mm, yeah, Montipo, I've never been a fan of. I'm, it's just. But yes, Empoli were unlucky. Razvan Marin hit the crossbar and free kick, and no, it was and and to you know this was such an important win for Hellas to to win away. And Baldanzi put a put put a, put a pass yeah. on a plate to Giazzi. Yeah, wondered that. Yeah, mm. no, no, but it, it, this is such an important win for Verona, Verona in the relegation battle. No, Empoli's attack is. We said it though, didn't we? We said apart from Baldanzi, mm. they they don't have nothing don't have to any. attack, and we just yeah. don't have any. Right, sorry. Right, and um, just before Bad Jim Prime the week, right, we'll be really, really quick on this. We can we can go into more depth on this before I mean the, the Italy's first game against Macedonia is only in just over a couple of weeks, so we will talk about this more then. But Spalletti has been now uh confirmed as the, the new Italy coach. There's been no word from Napoli or De Laurentiis since then, so we don't know if there's gonna be a legal battle on this. But he signed a new contract he signed a contract with Nat Italy till twenty twenty six World Cup. Uh he has been officially confirmed by Italy. And this is this is great news for for Italy, isn't it, Nima? 
it's it's for every reason we reiterated last Thursday. We were on the Thursday pod and and also on Monday, the week last Monday, and and again, this is the ideal coach for Italy to replace Roberto Mancini. What the work that Roberto Mancini leaves, the football, the the structures in place, I think. There is no one better suited to take that to the next level and to the next step and continue on that than Luciano Spalletti. Um, I really can't think of that. Uh, anyone better suited. Also where he is in his career, uh, age-wise, uh, the football he plays, no, he just ticks every box. And also the character he is. Um, and I think now all of Italy will 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 also will 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 fall in love with Spalletone like I have and and many of us have. Um, he is he is a character. He's very very charming. Uh, he's a bit of a oddball, but people like that. And I think one thing that he was very good at at all his clubs is to is to build a group and unite players behind him. And I think with Italy, he is he's got the right. He's at the right place at the right time. Uh, to do so, and 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 I actually think now it, Italy can win the Euros. Honestly, I really think Italy can retain the European Trophy title. It would be mad if they did, but I, I think they can. Yeah, well, let's make sure we qualify. Let's make sure we qualify first. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yes, that's true. You're absolutely right. We, we Italy have to first qualify for for the Euros. Yeah, let's let's not. Yeah, yeah. Let's walk before we can run. But yeah, I hope so. And I think is that the ideal. The ideal coach. We'll talk about more about it in a, in a couple of weeks. I'm very yeah. interested to see who his first squad. I'm thrilled. Be. I'm thrilled. Mm. Um, yeah, me too. Team. Right, let's do Baggio and Prem Face of the Week. Okay, Baggio. Um, I'll get the two minor ones out of the way first. Antonio Candreva, of course, for those two incredible goals. I also want to give a shout out to Cesare Casade, who scored a, a 92nd minute winner for Leicester. Against Cardiff on his uh, on his debut, he's got uh, Enzo Maresca as his um, as his coach there, and Maresca has been described as another another of the the, the growing Bancarella peps out there. <laughs> <laughs> so I think he could be he could be good for the development of Casade. <laughs> um, it's there's only one. It's got to be Candreva, no? I mean, as much as Osimhen and Lautaro were fantastic. Well, Candreva. well, Candreva, yes, but I also want to want to give a shout out to Carlo Mazzoni as well, yeah. who um, who died at the age of uh, eighty six. Um, we saw minute silence across all the games. We saw some some lovely uh, some lovely words from from a, from a number of, of figures from his career. Pep Guardiola, who actually wore a uh, Carlo Mazzoni shirt, which was emblazoned with that that legendary moment from the, the Atalanta versus Brescia, Brescia game, which is what which is what Mazzoni is most famous for in his career, when um, Atalanta were beating Brescia 3-1 in the derby uh, between these two teams that, that hate each other. And um, Mazzoni had been getting abuse from the, the, the Atalanta Ultras for the entire game. And then Brescia scored two late goals to, to equalise, including a, a, a last-minute in injury time, last minute, last kick of the game, free kick from from Roberto Baggio. And Mazzoni then just lost the plot. He ran from the dugout all the way over to the Curva where where all the, um, the ultras, Atalanta ultras were. And he just went ballistic. He, it was like, it was hilarious because he was almost about seven, it was probably like about 
67, 68 years old and he looked older. Like he always looked a lot older than he was. And he run over there like waving his fist, you know, like old man shouts at cloud kind of like, you know, that kind of impression. And he just went ballistic and started cursing the, the all the fans. It was just, it's it was iconic. It's iconic. Yeah. It is very iconic. And, yeah, no, I mean, look for for Ascoli, who he, he's a club legend of Ascoli uh, as a player and a coach. Um, and then, of course, you know, he brought Lecce to Serie A. He was a he is from Rome. Antonio Conte, yeah, young Antonio Conte, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And and he brought them to Serie A in eighty seven, eighty eight. He he um he was, if I remember correctly, he was also. Um, he, uh, you know, he was a Romanista through and through, and he managed to coach Roma with a young Francesco Totti as well. So, no, he was he was he was a he was a he was a classic. He's a classic character and coach of Italian football that has has uh, parted this this earth. Mm. And the Bologna as well. Yeah, he was coach of Bologna when they when they got to the the semi finals of the UEFA Cup in 1999 and they got yeah. absolutely cheated one of the biggest uh, yeah, which... anti-italian discrimination uh, <laughs> yeah was, which kenneth when... anderson when we when i when we interviewed him he, he spoke about didn't he kenneth anderson mm. uh, who he was who who mentions one that of the he's... biggest one of the biggest fights we've seen free yeah. for alls between the two teams after that game yeah and 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 kenneth anderson as he told us he's in, he's he wasn't he didn't know about this cuz he went he was so angry he went into the dressing room and after 10, 15 minutes, when no one came in, he wondered, what's going on? Where is everybody? <laughs> and then he yeah. goes out and sees the fight. It's a great yeah. story. Make sure to check that out. Or it's, on, it's on our yeah. Patreon. Make sure to check that yeah, out. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Let's talk about... Uh, oh, we should also say that he also made Pirlo into a regista. Yeah. He was, he was him that turned At him into Brescia. a regista. That, that Brescia team had uh, Pirlo, Baggio, and Guardiola. One uh, of the most beautiful uh, goals ever scored in the Serie A is a Pirlo now vintage classic trademark pass to Roberto Baggio, 40, 50, 60 meters down to a Roberto Baggio who equals that pass by, you know how football players, magical football players, when they take the ball down, the ball dies on their feet like a pancake. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That, that's how the ball, the ball just lands on his foot softly and he mm. goes past the goalkeeper and scores it. It's one of the yeah, most beautiful goals I've ever seen. Edwin van der Sar, yeah. I, yeah. I, I have always said that's the best first touch in football history. Mm. The best first touch in football history because he managed to, with his first touch, yeah. take it round the goalkeeper yeah. with his first touch. Yeah. <laughs> like what, with a 50-yard ball lifted over him yeah. from the skies. Yeah. And he watched it come down, which is already a ridiculously hard skill mm. as a footballer to do when you see it come mm. down on you from the sky and he took it round the goalkeeper with his first touch and then side footed it into the, into the open net with his second touch with his left foot. I mean, mm. insane. Right. Let's uh, finish off with a uh, prem face of the week. Yeah. Um, we have, I've got two. Yeah. I've, I've got those in mine as well. <laughs> Cause there's, well, okay. especially the first one. The first yeah, one. So Gary Neville commentating on Tottenham against Manchester United. <laughs> Uh, we should give a shout out to Vicario as well, actually, um, on the bad shows. He had a great performance against Man United. Really good. Um, after a difficult debut. Um, Prem face of the week. Yeah, Gary Neville. Um, so he remarked during the game that Destiny Odorji is uncomfortable receiving the ball. That's what that was. Those were his words. He was he was saying how uh, basically the Tottenham players should should be careful with, with 
passing the ball to Adoji in kind of built up areas because he's not comfortable receiving it. Uh, he then went on to be basic. Then he went on to basically be one of the best players on the pitch. He, he totally <laughs> took out, completely, <laughs> completely silenced uh, uh, Anthony. To be fair, it's not really that hard. No, I was going to say. He was he was great going the other way as well. He was he's he's had a great start to his he's had a very good start to his um to his Premier League career at Dodgy. Mm. So that's really good to see. So yeah, your friend Gary Neville, <laughs> and the second he's, one, he's just. He's, I just Go I on. wonder does he does he not realise that human beings can hear him when he talks. Like, <laughs> like, and that yeah. you know. Nowadays, most of the things you say are recorded forever. Like they're immortalized. Like, it's, yeah, he's he's uh, he's a meme. He's not a real. I, I honestly, yeah. I wonder if he's actually an actor playing a character at some points with with this guy. And it's it's starting to feel like that. I mean, just that whole thing of mini retirement. Who refers? Maybe he's to like Mark Goldbridge. Maybe he's like Mark Goldbridge, he's but good. Gary Neville's not his real name, and, and he's actually got an Italian name. <laughs> he's an Italian guy. No, but like, I mean, the mini retirement thing, I still can't get over that. Like, not understand, <laughs> discovering live on a podcast what the weekend is, discovering live on a podcast what a <laughs> what a holiday is, a mini retirement. Like that, it just, it reads, you, you could, it's like something that Stephen Merchant and Ricky Gervais wrote, like a sketch. Like, it's like, it's like how, oh, no, nah, never mind. <laughs> never mind. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Well, as we're talking, I've just been told that Mason Greenwood is leaving Manchester United by mutual consent. That's mm. literally just come to me. Okay. Uh, Man United are going to make an announcement at three o'clock today. Um, so. Oh, there was kind mm. of. Well, yeah, we got a question very... on that. We've got a question on that in our Q and A pod. So okay, know. well, we'll talk about that then. Um, mm. Right, and the other one I want to say is England. Um, I'm not actually sure who is responsible for this. If it's the England English FA, or if it's the English government, uh, or if it's like the council that's responsible for for Wembley, or you know, I probably should have done more research as this. Well, um, but all I know is that it was announced that. Um, the statues before the final, before the, the Women's World Cup final, it was announced that the England women's team would um, have statues built for them to, to commemorate their, their their World Cup. And um, it's, uh, yeah, it's just the, the, the classic old celebrating before you've even won. And what happened in the final? They lost to Spain. Why, do it, why does England... This is just, again... Another classic act of the Prem face, like celebrating and cheering, the, you know, that your win, that your your victory before you've actually won anything, and boasting that you're the best before you've won anything. It's just a hallmark of the Prem face. We saw it in the before the Euro twenty uh, twenty final when they were talking about Gareth Southgate getting a knighthood, and you know we see it, you know. Like you said to your friends on Talk Sport that time, how before every single tournament, England are the favourites and England are going to win. That's and, not and true. Said, yeah, that's not true. <laughs> Bloody you, you got so rattled. <laughs> I still can't believe that actually happened. That That is genuinely one of the most bizarre <laughs> moments in my life when I saw Martin Samuel... I triggered him to the point where he started he wrote a bloody op-ed or, or a column about it a week and a half later in the Times. Bizarre, absolutely bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, this was this was the latest of, of uh, building statues for the England women's team when when 
you know, again, I don't know the process of how this came about. Well, so I do a understand bit, it. To maybe a I'm being a little bit unfair. No, but I just, I, don't, I, I just, I, it's just I'll something you, you don't announce. It. You don't make an announcement of this before the final. And, no, and, you that's know, fair. Yeah. I, and, I th- and I think that's fair enough. You don't count your chickens before they're And, then, and then in that case, it's the media's fault. You know, so yeah. it's, but it's, listen, whichever you want to Here's pick, the thing. Here's pick. the thing. Here's the thing. They won the Euros and they reached the World Cup final. So I can understand that they wanted to turn that into a statue. I just think because that's a historic feat. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Winning tournaments at home and then following that up with reaching the World Cup final, that's that's the greatest thing you can do at international level. So I understand the, they want to praise them. I'm just with you on the timing of the announcement. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, maybe wait after to the after the final, we do the whole statue celebratory thing. Now that's that's just my two, exactly. two cents. Exactly. Uh, that's the only thing. Yeah, absolutely. Right, let's leave it at that. Um, right, we've gone really long today. And it is, <laughs> I guess it's the first is the first weekend of the season, and it is the, the transfer window still open as well, so mm. it's very busy. Not to talk about. Right. Um, okay, we'll be back on Tuesday for the Q and A, and then on Thursday we will have something. We're, we're working on a. It's going to be transfer related. We're trying to get a, a guest on to, to to do one last kind of transfer window round. Um, round up looking at like what all the big clubs are going to do because there's a lot of business that's still going to be done with Juventus with Inter with Napoli with all through the board the teams are all going to be doing a lot of business so there is a lot to talk about and it would be fantastic if we can but it is also very very difficult uh, because the journalists are so so busy now into the last week of the window that it's not easy getting them so um, we'll try our best Um, if we can't we will do we'll do our own uh, we'll do our own show where we will talk about all the transfers that are happening. Pavard might be done by Thursday. Juventus will have sold, probably will have sold some players by then. Um, you know, there will be more players coming in. There will be stuff to talk about, uh, and we'll also be able to re- preview the weekend and also talk about Milan, uh, Milan versus Bologna, and and the two games that are being played this evening. So there will there will be loads more. It'll still be a great show. Okay, see you on Tuesday, everyone. Uh, until then, ciao, ciao.